Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freaking Mearpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. We're all a little messed up. Scrapbook. I was hiking with two other guys. We all had our bear spray. Me and one guy, we religiously believed in our bear spray. No food in camp. We, we, would, we would eat on trail, then hike another couple miles, make camp. And then, of course, our other friend, he couldn't care less about it. <laughs> so we would, there were three of us, so we would sleep in a triangle formation with our tents at the points. So that way, if one person was getting mauled to death by a bear in the night, two of us could get out with, with our bear spray <laughs> and spray it down and... Uh, me and my one friend drive by, we're like, yes, if we're being mauled by a bear, spray me down in bear spray. I give you permission. And the third friend, Thor, he's like, no, do not spray me. Just let it kill me. <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome. 
to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, on to this week's premium content. Well, I followed up on a tip from our friend and triple crowner, Ginger Balls, whom we had on the pod a few weeks ago in episode five of this season. And I reached out to a member of his trail family from his 2018 hike of the Appalachian Trail. If you remember, that was Jeeb's first long trail. And when he met this week's guest at the start of that trail, he thought Scrapbook was woefully underprepared with his small pack and lightweight gear. Little did he know that Scrapbook was starting the AT that year already having completed the CDT and the PCT the previous two years. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod, Scrapbook. Hey there, I'm glad to be a part of this. <laughs> so I've heard, we've heard uh, Jeeb's first impression of you. What was your first impression of him? <laughs> Uh, I was like, that guy's backpack is huge. <laughs> it's a nice backpack, sure, but I mean, there's a lot of gear in there. Uh, he had a, a big old Osprey backpack that I think went above his head. A <laughs> uh, little uh, woodland boonie cap he had on from his, his time in the military. Um, but I was like, this guy seems all right. So I just kind of met him at a at the shelter or well, I guess met him at the uh at Amaclola Falls and then I uh, didn't see him the rest of the day until we ended up camping together that night and got to talk and he was a pretty cool guy so I'm glad glad I became friends with him and glad I'm here now <laughs> yeah he was absolutely hilarious on his episodes I really enjoyed <laughs> talking to him and when he described that moment of his his first long trail and your third long trail and the moment <laughs> where you guys saw each other and what you must have been thinking of each other. I think that's just a classic moment on the trail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my tiny little backpack. That's based off of a, uh, like a Palante backpack. Um, and I had a little American flag dangling off the back of it. <laughs> He's, him and his big old Osprey backpack. I think he had a cup hanging off of his, like some oh. kind of square. <laughs> yeah, he definitely, he said he was definitely prepared. He put in everything and then some into his pack. He didn't want to be caught, caught uh, by surprise by anything. Oh yeah, that's for sure. I remember that. I think we gave him a, a shakedown, um, <laughs> a little ways into the trail. And there was, he got rid of a lot of stuff, you know, I don't know who the influence was, but <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a common occurrence with uh, first-time thru-hikers. They bring a whole lot, and then they decide, okay, I'm not going to carry this another step. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm interested. Scrapbook. How did you come by that name? Um, well, I take a lot of pictures. Um, I love taking photos of lots of the uh, the mundane parts of hiking, and I collect a lot of little trinkets, odds and ends. I have bottle caps, little rocks, um, lots of pins. So just, I collect little miscellaneous things along the way. So, you know, like a scrapbook, I got photos and little memories to, to go along with it. <laughs> I guess scrapbook is better than pack rat. 
I would say so, yeah. <laughs> I like this name Scrapbook. I haven't run into anybody else with that name yet, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, and in, in terms of our, our conversations online, I've taken to calling you uh, Scrap, Scrappy, you know, Scrapbook, whatever, whatever oh, yeah. works, right? Yeah, it, it's a long name, so I, I'm used to getting shortened down. It doesn't bother me any. <laughs> Yeah, last season we talked to uh, someone who had hiked the AT, and he got stuck. His leg got stuck in a in a, a bridge between two logs, and oh, he was stuck for, for I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes, maybe a little bit longer. And he was <laughs> he was reflecting on that movie, uh, one hundred twenty seven hours, and having to, having to, the guy had to cut his arm off to get out yeah. of that, that situation. So he was he, he told that story a couple of times, and they gave him the name one one twenty seven. <laughs> and so I had to ask him at the beginning, is it, is it 127? Is it yeah. 127? Is it 127? I mean, cause it's that 127. That's a, that's a lot of syllables. Yeah, that it is. And then yeah, each time that's, that's one you have to explain how you got it. So every time you meet someone new, you have right. to have the story, at least mine, like scrapbook, like, Oh, I take a lot of photos and pack a lot of trinkets. <laughs> yeah. 127. That's the trail name. that just keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some oddball names out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, another fun fact is that uh, Gingerballs, when he learned where I was located uh, geographically, he says, "Oh, you got to talk to Scrapbook. I think he's he I think he lives down the street from you." <laughs> and lo and behold, we we live in the same community, which was uh, is very cool. I think. Yeah, that's wild. That's there's just there's no hikers here, and then to run into each other like this that's pretty cool (laughs) so scrapbook how old are you uh right now i am 23 years old 23 so what year did you graduate high school uh 2015 okay 2015 and (laughs) and he went to a high school in our community i i worked at a high school a different high school so small world uh really great connecting with you um, some folks I have to worry about, you know, eight hour time difference if they're in, in the UK. Yeah, that's, oh. that's true. <laughs> and, uh, this, we don't have to worry too much about uh, any time difference. So. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Very good. It was snowing out here today. Did you see that? <laughs> yes. In fact, I've got, I've got my puffy jacket on as we're doing this podcast. Cause it's a little chilly inside the studio tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, I've got my, uh, one of my Columbia fleece on cause I'm too cheap to buy a Patagonia one. <laughs> 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 nice you're not cheap you're thrifty there Economical. we go that yeah exactly <laughs> that's right hey, hey scrap have you listened to the podcast before um i have not i haven't got a chance to 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 listen to it i really wish i had now i definitely feel like a loser for not now <laughs> no that's okay i only ask because i want to key you into a regular feature we have on the podcast and that's called the the pro tip insight of the week and so what that is, is at the end of the episode, I'm going to turn to you. And I'm going to say, hey, Scrapbook, what tip, what trick can you share with our listeners out there to make their next adventure that much more epic? So don't be surprised when that comes along. Okay. We're, looking for, we're looking for some wisdom from a triple crowner to help us out right. with our, our next adventure. All right. I'll, I'll get ready. I'll, I'll see what okay. I can scheme up. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, oh. what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Scrapbook, what's your must-bring piece of gear? 
Oh, goodness. Oh, okay. Um, my outdoor research sun hat. That is my favorite piece of gear. It's, um, I can't think of the specific name of it. I, it the brand is Outdoor Research. It's yeah. kind of like a uh, Sahara kind of hat. It has the, uh, the sunshade on the back of it, a nice wide bill. And that is my favorite piece of kit, the, uh, uh, that Outdoor Research hat. I have it in, uh, in white, but I, over three through hikes, they sell a few versions. They sell a white version and a tan version. And my white hat that I bought in 2015 is now more tan than a brand new tan when they sell. <laughs> it's that grimy and has that much trail dirt stuck into it. <laughs> That's an experienced hat right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. And what, what is so important about that hat? Why is that the must-bring piece of gear? It um, keeps the sun and wind from frying your face, your ears, the back of your neck. And I, I burn easily. So <laughs> that's a, a must have for me is something that covers basically like my entire face. <laughs> so I, I kind of end up with this weird tan, but uh, eh, so is life. <laughs> yep. Very good. Yeah. The sun is harsh out there. I mean, you're, you're in exposed elements at, uh, for a lot of these trails, maybe not the AT. I heard the AT described as the green tunnel, but certainly the, the, uh, the CDT yeah, and, definitely. And, the, and the PCT, you're out there exposed yes. for a lot of miles. That's for sure. I, I got sunburnt a few times on the AT. It does happen. Mm -hmm. Popular to contrary belief. In the few times it's not raining, the sun comes out and it's strong and uh, you can get sunburnt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why I've, I've taken to wearing long hiking pants, even if it's warm out. I mean, that helps with, uh, you know, you know, fair-haired oh, yeah. guy like me, fair-skinned guy, blue <laughs> eyes. I've got to lather up with sunscreen if I'm wearing shorts or short sleeves. And so the, the long pants help with that as, oh, well, yeah. as well as the brush kind of pulling at your legs sometimes. Oh, yeah. And then I'm long, all about long it. sleeve shirts too. I mean, they, it's just, you know, less time you have to spend slathering up with the, with the sunscreen. Yeah, I wear um, the Columbia. I, I believe it's the Silver Ridge. The Silver Ridge pants and the Silver Ridge shirt. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I even have the outdoor research sun gloves that, you know, the, the cool fingerless gloves, chicks dig those. So I yeah, gotta have those. Go. So, yeah. And then, yeah. And then you also end up with weird finger tans, but your hands don't get fried from holding onto your trekking poles all day. Um, they add a little bit of insulating layer when it's cold. So I'm a big fan. If it wasn't for the outdoor research sun hat, the second piece of gear would be the outdoor research sun gloves. <laughs> Highly recommend. Nice. Chicks, chicks dig weird tan lines. Oh yeah, that's for sure. So. Known fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, before we get on to your big trails, let's, uh, let's go back a little bit, talk about your background, where you grew up and how you got involved in the through hiking cult, as we call it here on the podcast. <laughs> So did you grow up in, in Santa Clarita, California? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, family moved out here when I was seven. So yeah, basically grew up out here. Um, I like Santa Clarita. You know, it's a, it's a nice little town. <laughs> kind of tucked away from the big city of Los Angeles. We're close to everything. If you want to be at the ocean, 40 minutes away, snow, mountains, you get multiple mountain ranges to choose from. So it's a, it's a cool little spot. Mm -hmm. And you moved here when you were seven. What, where did you move from? Um, from Sunland. Okay. That's not too far yeah. either. I mean, no. 
no we're not talking cross country that's, that's no 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 not not far at all about 20 minutes down the road away. yeah yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right and how did you get involved in the outdoors um my dad he was definitely my dad he uh into camping hiking he was a, a, a boy scout back in the day um so I, we just always kind of went hiking and it just kind of kept progressing um and then one day i don't know am I, am I getting too ahead of how i like discovering the the pct no this is what i, I want to hear about it okay yeah. all right all right yeah so i was I, me and my dad i was probably like 13 or 14 and we were really getting into hiking. And uh, one day we were look, just looking at a map of I like the Angeles National Forest. And there's, you can see the, the trail, the Pacific Crest Trail on it, just this little red line. You didn't, don't think much of it. But then we were looking at another map, Pacific Crest Trail. And we looked at another map, like Pacific Crest Trail, like, what is this trail? It's on three different maps of Southern California. What's the deal with this? So I did a little bit of Googling. What do you mean a hiking trail that goes from Mexico to Canada? What? That's not a thing. So it just kind of like, oh, well, wait a minute. It goes through Vasquez Rocks. Let's go check that out. It's only 20 minutes up the road. So my, my first stint on the PCT was just a, a 10-mile day hike at Vasquez Rocks. <laughs> I've done that same hike. So you were you were uh, 13, 14 years old when you discovered discovered the PCT. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, I was just, uh, I was like, I uh, still in high school, obviously. Um, and I was like, I don't really want to go to. I don't know what I want to do in college, so I need an adventure to do after high school. Lots of people are like, oh go to Europe and like I don't want to go to Europe people have been going to Europe forever that's that's lame um no offense to anybody that's done that <laughs> but to me I didn't want to do that but um yeah this adventure the Pacific Crest Trail a 2,650 mile long trail from Mexico to Canada like what is that like that's that's insane to be walking for five to six months at a time what do you do out there <laughs> so just started doing little bits of research online, following pe people's blogs, checking stuff, uh, looking at pictures all day long, reading blogs while I was at school, supposed to be doing work, but there I am <laughs> doing PCT research. <laughs> That's awesome. So I want to, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what your friends had to say about this because I've, I've been around teenagers for a lot of years, a lot of years, <laughs> and I don't recall ever hearing a long trail hiking discussion uh, with teenagers. So I, I really want to know what your, your buddies had to say when you said, you know what, I'm thinking when I'm done with high school, I'm going to go, I'm going to head out and hike for 2,600 miles. They definitely thought I was a little crazy. And cause you know, as high school, you know, it's like, Oh, make sure to take your three semesters of a foreign language because you have to go to a university uh all that make sure you've got your applications filled out um so they were doing that i'm like uh i'm gonna go walk uh i don't feel like doing that um so they definitely thought it was a little weird but it's all i could talk about so after a while i think they just either shut me out or got numb to it um i know my mom she I told her, I was like, mom, I'm going to go hike the BCT. It's going to be so cool. And she would, I she'd like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. And then, as she says, she never thought I'd go through with it. And then 
there I was at 18, like, hey, mom, I need a ride to the border. Can you take me? She's like, wait, you're actually going? Like, yeah, I'm actually going. I've been planning this for five years now. <laughs> wow. So hang on. Before we get to the border, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So did any of your friends say, hey, this sounds like a good idea. Let me join you on this trip. No, absolutely not. Because they're all sane, normal, functioning human beings. <laughs> um, I, I had one friend who I thought I could maybe talk into doing it. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. I'm like, hey, uh, it's like, what kind of sleeping bag are you going to use? Like, oh, I haven't really looked. Uh, okay, well, like, what about what kind of tent are you going to use? Like, oh, I haven't gotten that far. I'm like, oh, like, okay, well, I'm looking at, and then I get a list of tents and sleeping bags and gear. And then it was like, he was like, okay, I'm joining the Navy. I'm like, all right, he's out. <laughs> wow, that sounds kind of desperate. He, he, he up and joined the Navy just so he didn't have to go on that hike with you. I mean, that's, yeah. that's telling right there. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and so you talked about blogs. What, what kind of resources did you use to plan for your hike? And um, how did you acquire your gear without your mom realizing what was happening? <laughs> okay let's see now okay see this was many many moons ago in, in pre-2016 um so i definitely uh i read carrot quinn's blog and like followed her on on her adventures um i watched the did you, did you read her book um well through i read hike? it when it was through hiking uh, will break in, your heart yeah i read it when it was still it on her website, got it. I didn't read it in, in book form. Got it. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I would be at school mm-hmm. <laughs> supposed to be doing work, but there I am reading up on like, Oh, she's in Sierra city now. Oh, I wonder what Sierra city's like. <laughs> um, Yogi's guide was probably the biggest help. And it, it seems so weird to say, but like, obviously every year is going to think this, I think, but, Five years ago, there wasn't the same amount of information that there is now. Like, there were only a handful of blogs of people that had done it. Whereas now, you know, everybody's got a blog and a YouTube channel doing it, a daily, daily vlog. And like, that wasn't really a thing. So just lots of, like, post-trail gear videos. Um, a few people were filming on trail, but of course they'd, You'd have to go a couple weeks before they could upload the next video to see what was going on. Um, Yogi's Guide was probably... Sorry, my dog's barking. Okay. Uh, Yogi's Guide was probably the biggest help because it has... Um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Because she gathered other hikers and got their opinions on different pieces of gear, kind of what works, their thoughts and philosophies on types styles of hiking gear so like that was a big help i want to say pre-internet age that's obviously not true because it was only 2014 15 16 or that time i was doing research but there just wasn't the same amount of information as is available now right um and i i watched the um the class videos on, on vimeo the pct was it, it was like 2012 2011 I think 2013, I watched those like 
every every week just on loop i just could not get enough of those videos watching the hikers out there and they just got me so inspired I'm like oh okay he's got that kind of backpack Ooh, those shoes oh what kind of sleeping bag is that so then i'd go online and do research and i probably asked way too many questions on the on 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 reddit on the pct forum <laughs> now scrapbook did you say vimeo yes you're dating yourself i think is that is that still a thing uh, I, still I, a thing? I think so okay. i hope so all right because <laughs> they uh because whoever made the videos you know they um they put in real music and i don't think they paid the licensing for and i think um that service isn't as strict on that kind of thing <laughs> so you Got couldn't it. put them on on youtube <laughs> all right and so how many months uh leading up to your so you graduate 2015 june 2015 yeah. when is your your pct hike when does that start uh so that it was i went on april 1st 2016 i okay. actually tried to convince my mom to let me skip graduation and to start late so i could start in may <laughs> of 2015 but she said no she wouldn't go for do that, that. Huh? yeah that one she she wouldn't let that slide <laughs> uh, so, but, yeah. so you have you have roughly 10 months then to prepare yourself and get all the gear let's let's talk about that what what did your pack weigh at the beginning of the pct 2016 and what were the components of your gear oh okay let's see here um in 2016 i had my, my base weight i believe was somewhere like 13 or 14 pounds oh right off the bat you're you're in a good I, good range right there yeah i definitely was was was, was I, it's looking back you know i was i was proud of myself at 13 14 pounds now thinking about that it's like ugh, 13 14 pounds i wouldn't be caught dead on the trail with that much weight well, let me just point out that your level of research and gear acquisition differed greatly from ginger balls Oh yeah, because <laughs> Ginger Balls showed up to the AT on his first long hike with in excess of forty pounds on his back. Yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Our, uh, our 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 times on how much time we had to to research and prepare, I, I think, was a, a bit different. I had all of high school to to start looking into gear and slowly buying pieces of gear. Well, I think that he said that he did his research during his military career, and. Uh, he stopped doing research and just made up his mind he was going to do it. And, and he had done no research whatsoever for the year or two prior to showing up on the. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You know, like in, in the military, you know, they have uh, one is none, two is one, three. I don't know if they have a saying for three, but uh, whereas I'm like, I don't even need one. I can do without it. Yeah. <laughs> So take oh, us through of. your gear. What 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 did you what did you have in that thirteen pounds? Oh God, it's it feels embarrassing now to talk about what I had then. Um, I had a, a Z-Pax Arcall in the Dyneema composite. So was was it? Or they they changed the terminology. It was the not? It wasn't the Cuban fiber one. Yeah, I think that's. It was like the the grid stop one. So I was like, "Oh, that'll—it's a little heavier, but it'll last a little longer than than uh, the Dyneema." Mm -hmm. But um, so I, I had Z-Pack's backpack, uh, 
Big Agnes Fly Creek UL2 that I got at an REI garage sale. Uh, <laughs> the REI Igneo sleeping bag that I got on sale. It was like the it was the long version. So it's made for people like six, three, I'm like five eleven, So there was like a lot of extra space in it with a, a mummy sleeping bag, <laughs> uh, Gossamer gear, trekking umbrella, uh, titanium, uh, stove and pot. Uh, let's see. M- Mountain hardware, ghost whisper. I, I had a lot of the, the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. that people are, people have because that was at the time that was that was the in stuff was the the, the fly creek tent the the z packs bags were just kind of popping onto the scene um i think yeah i think it's kind of it was kind of the, the big stuff my rain jacket was a sierra designs cagoule nobody's ever heard of that thing but i spent months researching it uh i think I think I even might have met one of the. Uh, I met a guy who had it at like the annual Day Zero PCT kickoff 2014. So before even hiking the trail, I went to. I made my parents drive me to the kickoff to go meet hikers. I was I was in. <laughs> that's, that's obsessed. I love that. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. 100% obsessed. <laughs> and there was a guy wearing it, but like it hadn't even been released yet. So I'm like, whoa, man! Like, how is that thing? He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. So I was like, oh, I gotta have it. I've seen it in person. <laughs> so I had, I had some interesting, I you know, the t- normal stuff. I would say. Um, um, I don't know what else. Uh, any other specific pieces you want to ask me about or anything? Otherwise, I don't want to just go off my whole gear list. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I'm really. We're, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I, I really want to hear how your gear evolved. You said you're embarrassed to talk about 13 pounds. I, I really yeah. want to hear what you what you had in your lot in the, uh, on the AT, You know what your what your pack weight was. We'll get to that. We'll get to that okay, in a little okay. bit. So, um, let's talk about that hike on on the PCT 2016. Uh, you've been down there before a couple of years before to meet some, some bona fide long distance hikers, yep. you've got your gear, you've, you've got it all packed together, get your 13 pounds. You convince, does mom drive you down there? Is that how you get down there? Yeah. Yeah. Look, mom, we got to go to the, we got to go to the Mexican border. There's this thing at Lake Morena County park, all the hikers meet there and then they all start. We got to go. <laughs> and what was her reaction? Um, she was up for it. Yeah, she was, I don't think she knew exactly what to expect, but she was, she indulged me and drove me the three hours down there to go meet smelly hikers. <laughs> Are you talking 2014 or 2016? Well, well, so I went in 2014 and 2015 to the kickoff. They canceled okay. it in 2016 because of permitting issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Argo, dogs be quiet. Um, yeah, they, they canceled in 2016 because of permitting issues. It was just getting to become such a big event. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the, the county didn't like that. So I went down there with like my mom the first year in like 2014. And then my dad is really in, into hiking and the, he's all about through hiking. He actually plans on through hiking next year. He wants to do the PCT next year. Um, he's with his work schedule. It's always hard for him to take off. Um, so then he was here. So we were able to go 
down there as, as, as a family and check it out. And, Oh, we had a good time down there because they have all, all, they had all the gear vendors at the time and getting to meet hikers. It was just a fun experience. I, I wish they still had it. Well, I guess they do have it now, but it, now it's not the kickoff. Now it's trail days. Right. Now they do that up in, uh, up in Washington or, or Cascade Locks. I can't remember. Is that Oregon or Washington? It's one of them <laughs> right on the border. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in 2016, how do you get down to the Mexican border to start your trip? Let's see. So, yeah, I, I was like, all right, mom, April, April 1st, I'm starting. Like, either you're taking me or I got to find a way to get down there somehow. <laughs> and she said she would take me. Um, it was my mom, my aunt and uncle went down with me. We drove down there and we stayed in at some like casino resort thing down there and just kind of got acclimated to the area, got situated, made sure I had all my gear. And then April 1st, they, they drove me down, down to the border. And uh, there I was, 18 years old, big old backpack, ready to start walking north. Big, big old 13-pound backpack. <laughs> yep, that monstrosity. <laughs> and so you were, you were on your own. You were hiking solo. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know anyone starting. I, I had talked to people online and be like, Oh, when are you starting? Like, Oh, I'll be starting around then. Maybe we'll meet up. But yeah, I started at the border. There were a few other people there. Um, we all had our real regular names, our real world names at the time and said hi to a couple of them and then just kind of started walking. <laughs> and uh, I, I had this, I can't, I'm sure it was my dad my dad's idea that I stole but to you know to touch the PCT monument the plaque on, on at the southern terminus and then again at the northern terminus but uh, I was so excited and caught up with starting my hike I took my photos at the monument but then I started walking and I probably got a quarter of a mile down the trail and I'm like uh-oh I never touched the, the plaque that's it's like i didn't even start this thing so i walked back half half a mile a quarter of a mile just to go slap the, the slap the plaque to say i touched them both nice. so i think that's kind of an embarrassing story <laughs> that is awesome so mom aunt and uncle they drop you off 18 years old on your own for 2,650 miles. What, what reservations, what, what worries did they have about this whole situation? And they were, you know, in, in today's society, and I know you know what I'm talking about, scrapbook, <laughs> you know, parents, parents, they, they have, a, a, you know, they're very involved in their kids' lives. Yeah. You, you've heard of helicopter parents. You know, oh, they, yeah. They, you know, they're, they're overseeing everything their, <laughs> their son or daughter is doing just to make sure they're on the right path. I mean, yeah. what? What does it say about about you guys as a family, and 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 what were their feelings about this? Just just dropping you off on your own, <laughs> and hey, we'll see you twenty six hundred miles from here, and we'll meet yeah. you up in Canada. <laughs> um, my mom, I, I don't think my dad was too worried about me, or if he was, he he never said. <laughs> um, but I think they know I have a pretty good head on my shoulders. You know, I was 18. I knew what I was doing. Nobody could tell me otherwise. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like I'm a pretty 
smart person. I, I try not to make too many stupid decisions. Um, my mom's biggest fear was hitchhiking. She did not want me hitching into towns to respond like mom that's just that's a part of it people do it it's a thing and she totally thought i was gonna get murdered and dismembered and thrown into a ditch somewhere so like the first hitch um i i, I texted her uh, going into julian i'm like okay mom we're at the road we're at scissors crossing gonna hitchhike into julian she's like oh be careful like send a picture of the car don't let them kill you so i like I'm like they with this minivan stops and they pull over like hey need a ride we're like yeah we're peace stackers going to julie and they say hop in um and i'm like wait can i take a photo real fast my mom wants to know i'm safe and so i like, get out take a picture of the van everyone's smiling uh and it was this sweetest old couple from uh what are they, like the virgin islands these british accents they were out on a cross-country road trip visiting their family there's the nicest people and my mom was like they're gonna kill you and eat you <laughs> that was her biggest reservation was hitching the rest i i think i think she knew i would be okay probably hoped i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. And you know what, Scrapbook, that gives me insight into your family right there because the fact that your dad said, hey, it'd be a good idea to slap the monument uh, on the south <laughs> and the north, and you, you went back, you know, half mile and, and, and did that. You followed dad's directions. So oh, yeah. Idea. And then the fact that your mom asked you to take a picture of the vehicle you did this to. And, the, yeah. and not only did you do it, but you, 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 you know, hey, you asked permission. You know, hey, take a picture. I got to send it to my mom. So you guys sound like a, a, a tight-knit group that really trust yeah. each other and have faith in each other. That's awesome. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely super supporting. I, I could not have done what I did without their, without their love and support. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk to Scrapbook about the 700 miles in the desert to start off the PCT uh, as well as the rest of his hike. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. I'm Scrapbook Triple Crowner by the age of 20, and you're listening to the John Freaking Muir Podcast. Welcome back. We're talking to Scrapbook, who was a Triple Crowner by the age of 20. Yep, yep. Okay, very good. So he started out age 18 hiking the PCT in 2016. And as we all know about the PCT, it, it has a, a lot of different environments, a lot of different ecosystems. And the first 700 miles of the PCT is pretty much desert. Any, yeah. any uh, I mean, that, that to me with an 18 year old out on the trail, first time long trailer, uh, that would be my, my, where I'd be most worried about you is on that first 700 miles in the desert, a lot of water carries. I mean, there's a, <laughs> how, how did that go? Um, that was actually where I felt the most confident. I had really no worries about the first 700 miles because I'm from Southern California. This is what I'm used to. So like, I know that, like, yeah, it's the, the desert of Southern California, but we've got a few big mountain ranges that we get snow on them. Um, I know that 
we've got oak forest, different chaparral, semi-arid terrain, manzanita, scrub oak. We've got lots of different in between, and I, I, I knew all that. Um, it's like lots of people think, oh, the desert, they picture like, I think they picture like the Sahara, sand dunes, maybe a camel walking by, <laughs> drinking out of a cactus. But I knew that it's going to be a varied environment. So I thought the desert wasn't too bad for me. I had my cool fingerless gloves, my sun hat. I was ready to to take on the Sierra. What I was really worried about was or did I say take on the take on the desert? Sorry, did I say the Sierra? What I was worried about was taking on the Sierra. Sierras are under mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> taking on the snow. I'm from Southern California. It doesn't snow. It's a, it's a nightmare to me. And then uh, uh, Washington, where it rains. It doesn't. It doesn't rain or snow here. <laughs> so that's what I thought was great. The desert. Uh, I loved it. I love uh, Southern California. I think it just the. Uh, dead grass, rolling fields of golden grass. I think it's beautiful. I love the, the chaparral, the semi-arid environment. I'm all about it. So I was, I felt really confident there. Yeah. How how dialed how dialed in were you with the water situation? You knew where the where the water sources were. You knew how much water you had to carry. Did, that, did you ever run short in any stretch? Let's see. Oh yeah, definitely did. Uh, I believe I, I left the border. I've, I probably had like six liters when I started, possibly seven, because <laughs> I just had no idea what to expect. So I was like, better safe than sorry. I can always dump it out. I can always drink it, but there's nowhere to find water in that first 20 miles. So, <laughs> um, And then obviously, as time goes on, you know, you start to know how much water you'll drink per mile and you get that dialed in. But at first I was carrying a lot of water. I would carry like two liters, probably the first four or 500 miles. I always had two liters on me ready to go just in case something, something bad happened. But uh, I'm trying to think the water caches were pretty reliable. Um, 2016 was an El Nino year or a mild El Nino year. So there it wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. The water carries were definitely not that bad. There were closer to Kennedy Meadows. There was like a, a 30 mile carry, I believe. I think it's like the Paiute mountains up there. There was a long one for sure, but definitely what wasn't too bad. It could have been a lot worse, but, um, okay. Started out with a lot of water, but then I realized, Oh, I only, I know I can drink, one liter for every 10 miles. So after a few weeks, I discovered that. And then I was kind of able to, to dial it in a little bit. I was like, okay, I don't have to carry seven liters every time I, I leave a water source. <laughs> and um, any snakes in the desert? Oh, lots of snakes. <laughs> lots of snakes for sure. Oh, in one day going down into Cajon Pass, I think there had to be, it was like 17 or 18 rattlesnakes. For like, uh, we probably only did like maybe 10 miles that day. Only like 18 rattlesnakes. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. and you said you had, you had the uh, Big Agnes tent, right? So you, you, yes. you definitely were a tent camper. You didn't uh, cowboy camp. Uh, did I, I did cowboy camp. I, I would cowboy camp um, later on. But at first, yeah, I was, I was in my tent. No, 
oogity boogity monsters were going to get me in the night. So I was, I was safe in my little millimeter of, of sil nylon. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's what would worry me in the, in the desert is if I were to cowboy camp, I'd wake up with a, a snake in my bag or, or pulled up <laughs> against me when I woke up. That would be terrible. That was definitely a concern. Uh, got lucky, no scorpions, no snakes, but that was, I thought about it every night I did cowboy camp. <laughs> there's like, there's probably going to be a rattlesnake in here. <laughs> it's a concern for sure. <laughs> okay. So Southern California boy, you are concerned about the Sierras and the snow. How did, how did that live up to the hype? Okay. Everybody in that first 700 miles, you're never going to make it. It's snowpocalypse. Oh, there's so much snow. Oh. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of snow. I, but I started April 1st, knowing that there was a lot of snow that year. It was like, it was like a normal snow year. So it was like 100, it was like 100 to 110%, I believe. So a pretty normal snow year, okay. um, which at the time we had been in a drought. So all the years previous hikers had had it fairly easy. Whereas now we were finally going to get back to it like oh it's gonna be like 2011 the the snow apocalypse is back lots of fear-mongering everybody's saying we're not going to make it everyone's saying oh i'm i'm taking a month off i'll come back later and i was like well instead of taking a month off why not just go through the desert really slow and just take your time enjoy it which is what i did i just again that was my dad's advice i can't take the credit for that was start early go slow get acclimated so that when you get to the tough stuff, you're, you're ready for it. Um, but made it to Kennedy Meadows, and yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of snow up there. If you make sure you know what you're doing. Um, so I ended up taking a week off. I went with some friends. We went up to Tahoe, hung out for a bit, then came back down to Kennedy Meadows. So then started, I think we, we entered this year on May 22nd, I believe. Sounds about right. <laughs> and how long were you in the Sierras? Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I think it took us, let's see, 4th of July, I made it to, to Truckee. So I guess, yeah, so uh, about a month, a little over a month, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it was, there was a lot of snow up there for sure. Um, especially having, I think I'd been in the snow one time before, <laughs> two times. And, uh, so like post holing river crossing, that was, that was all new to me. Uh, my friends say I look like a, like a newborn deer trying to walk on snow. I just, I still can't figure it out. It's, you take a step, you slide that way. Then you take another step, you slide the next way. I'm from Southern California. I'm from LA. We don't, we don't deal with that here. (laughs) And so how did your gear change or did it change from, you know, the desert to uh, being up in the Sierras in the snow? Did you uh, ship in some, some additional items to help you out that, that portion? Yep. I was like, mom, quick, send the gear. So I had the, uh, my, my Sierra gear ready to go. So I think I sent um, uh, a sleeping bag liner uh, a, like a flannel shirt, <laughs> a long sleeve flannel shirt. Uh, what else did I have? I, I had picked up a long sleeve, just like a button up long sleeve shirt along the way. 
um, sent a mosquito head net, my ice axe, micro spikes, bear canister. Like, how much food am I going to need? So your food doesn't even fit in the bear canisters. Um, I think I had – I probably even had some, um, uh, like, those instant hand warmers to, to drop into my sleeping bag in case it got cold. And, and sure enough, it got cold. <laughs> middle of summer but up there they uh the sierras don't get the memo and it freezes every night up there <laughs> but, nice. I, but i survived <laughs> what were some of your more memorable camping spots uh up in the sierras do you remember Ooh. um definitely let's see the probably my favorite one was i can't remember if it's upper or lower but palisade lakes yes that was my favorite. I loved that. We got there before sunset. So we got to watch the sunset, the Alpen glow on the peaks behind us. I think, I think the water was still frozen. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a beautiful area up there. The High Sierra is just so beautiful. I mean, any spot you camp is going to be amazing. Yeah. I really wanted to camp on one of the, um, on one of the passes, like probably not Forrester, but Glen Pass, Mather Pass, that sounded like a fun challenge to camp on there, but uh, my friends weren't down with that. <laughs> Probably made the right call. <laughs> so it sounds like you picked up some, uh, some trail family here. How many, how many guys were you, were you hiking with? Um, let's see. Through the Sierra, let's see. I've been – I was with mostly four other people. Okay. So we were, we were team snow blindness because – Again, being from Southern California and not seeing snow, I had this irrational fear of becoming snowblind, which I'm still very much afraid of. But I kept asking people, yeah, it's, it's a, a thing. thing, right? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> people didn't believe me. I'm like, so what are you guys going to do about like the snow? Are you just going to get like your normal sunglasses? Are you going to buy special sunglasses? They're like, why? I'm like, what do you mean why? It's the sun, it reflects off the snow. You get snowblind. What, what do you mean Why? So it uh, kind of became a big old thing, and we became Team Snowblind. So, <laughs> so I'm going to stop you just for a second because I can tell. I mean, when I talk to folks, and even my own experience, more half of the fun, maybe more than half the fun, I don't know, is preparing for the hike, doing all your oh, yeah. research and planning and taking these deep dives, uh, you know, thinking, you know, what if and what do I need and what can I get and, and you know, looking at the gear. <laughs> and you, my friend, you've taken a deep dive. I, I can tell. Oh, yeah. You're thinking about what type of sunglasses you should bring to combat snow blindness. That's yep. someone who's done his research. <laughs> I, I took it serious. I even, I, former through hikers I met, I was like, okay, what were this Sierra's like? They're like, oh, it's snow and the sun everywhere. Like, they're like, make sure to put sunscreen on the, the underside of your, of your chin. Like, Oh, okay. Like inside your nose, even the top of your mouth. And I'm like, okay, writing this down. Like I gotta know. <laughs> I took it serious. <laughs> that is great. And you know, we skipped, we skipped over one thing. Did you make the side trip to Whitney? I did. I did do Whitney. Nice. Um, we kind of got a late start. Um, one kid burned his shoe by a campfire. <laughs> um, so we kind of got a late start. So climbed all the way up to Mount Whitney, 14,000 some feet. And a storm came in. So I have no idea what it actually looks like at the top. It was, there was fog in five feet in front of me. So 
I don't actually know what the summit view looks like. I, I saw the hut and I saw the little plaque that says you're at the top. And that was about it. There was, we, we took our photos, we put our ice axes in the air. And as soon as we did that, you could hear the crackling and the buzzing in the air. Our facial hair stood up and it was like, let's set these down and leave. <laughs> wow. So you, you put in all the work, but you did not get the views because of the, uh, the weather at that moment. Yeah, I, I've heard you could see all the way up into uh, like Mount Shasta in Northern California. I have no idea. <laughs> Couldn't see more than five to 10 feet ahead of me. I know there's a hut and a sign up there. That's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now the crackling of electricity, that was us going over Forrester. That was oh, uh, yeah? a pretty dicey situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a spooky feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you you feel the the air is like charged. I mean, you yeah, you're exactly right. You hear the crackling <laughs> and you feel it. It's scary. It, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you get out of the Sierras and you're now heading towards uh, Northern California and going into Oregon. What? Uh, how did how did that terrain differ from the Sierras? Let's see. The um. So what are you in Northern California? It's the um, like the. Not Glacier Wilderness. Uh, Trinity Alps Wilderness. Trinity Alps, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's a – Northern – well, again, I'm from – it's a beautiful section, but being from Southern California, weirdos in Northern California, um, I thought it was pretty. It's kind of like a condensed little um, – so the Sierras, you kind of had the, those high mountain lakes. You obviously weren't up in, like, alpine terrain or anything, but, uh, but it's a cool – change of pace it's super hot up there mm -hmm. which i i knew getting into that side valley was going to be hot and sure enough it was a hundred something degrees when we were there it's probably like that for everybody um but northern california was very hot i i was a little surprised by that i didn't think it was actually going to be hot i know everyone says it is but it was hotter than southern california mm -hmm. that's for sure <laughs> yeah and when you got to oregon did you do the Oregon Challenge? I didn't know this was a thing, the Oregon <laughs> Challenge, until I saw a documentary called To Measure a Mile by seen uh, that one. Chris Carter on YouTube. Excellent, excellent. I'll have to check uh, that out. Yeah, excellent. It has, you know, it's a YouTube video, but it is so well done. It feels like you're watching a documentary on, on Netflix oh, wow. or, or Amazon. And actually, I reached out to Chris and asked him if he'd come on the podcast. And I've, I've got him scheduled for an upcoming episode. But oh, that's awesome. That's it was exciting. When I was, it's when I was watching that, that film that I realized there was such a thing as the Oregon Challenge. The Oregon you, Challenge. You, you explain it to us. What, what is that? Oh, um, okay. I'm going to be honest. I don't remember the specific dates of it. I just know you're, you're trying to do it. It's like two weeks or something, right? That's it's exactly something it. insane. Trying, trying to get through Oregon in two weeks. And then I guess there's also a 24-hour challenge in, in Oregon as well, where you see how many miles you can do in 24 hours. Is that, that's a new one. That one – Could be. Could be a new I one. Don't, that one. Back in my day, we didn't have no 24-hour <laughs> challenge. You sound like I, an old man, Scrap. I know. <laughs> Jaded and cynical. Those – new youtubers out there on the trail <laughs> um, i came up with a 24-hour challenge for the cdt in the great divide basin but <laughs> but yeah i did i was not aware of it in oregon um but i know we 
I, I think I think my biggest day was actually in Northern California at the time. I, it was a forty mile a day, but uh, yeah, Oregon's flat. That was yeah, that was pretty cool. It was nice to because you you spend the whole desert getting ready for the Sierra. The, the the desert trains you for the Sierra. You go get snow. You go up up to high some high mountain peaks that gets you ready for the Sierra. Then the Sierra going up down all day every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and at elevations that strengthens your lungs and in Northern California, which no one talks about is extremely steep. It's straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. No one ever talked about that. That kind of sucks. <laughs> and then that keeps you toned for Oregon. And then you get there and it's, it's pretty dang flat, not as flat as they say, but compared to what you've already been through, it's, it's a cakewalk. <laughs> mm-hmm. And did you make it through Oregon in two weeks? Oh God, no, no, <laughs> no. Um, I think I think it took us. I think about a month. I think we we were enjoying ourselves. Okay. Yeah, I think about a month. I, I think Oregon and, and Washington were about a month. Okay, and then when you get to the end of Oregon, you cross over the Bridge of the Gods, right? Yes. And then the you've the got gods. you've got just Washington between you and the Canadian border. And how was how was that segment? How did that change? How did that vary from Oregon, the flatness of Oregon? Well, again, Washington's very steep. And what I was very to worry, what I was very worried about was the rain. And it rained. <laughs> it rained a lot. <laughs> like leaving Cascade Locks. We had a good weekend in Cascade Locks. We were there for trail days. So we enjoyed that. And my parents actually came out to visit me. So I got to see them again, which was nice. Um, and then, said our goodbyes and we started on into Washington and like the, not the, the second night into Washington. It's like the like second day into Washington. It started raining and I think it, it rained until the last couple day, the last day to, uh, to the border of Canada it just rained the whole time. <laughs> the sun would come out for a few minutes. We dry our gear and then get right back to it. <laughs> And so what kinds of things did you do to guard against the rain? I mean, did you still have that umbrella that uh, the, uh, the one you started? I believe out I had, I had foolishly sent it back. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was like, Hey, do you want me to bring your umbrella? Like you keep saying it's going to rain. I'm like, no, I'll be fine. It can't, it can't rain that much. Right. <laughs> well, I was wrong and it rained <laughs> without my umbrella. <laughs> um, I'm, I don't think I did. I didn't change too much. I, I, I liked my rain setup, my cagoule. It, it was a long rain coat that went down to like just above the knees. Mm-hmm. So lots of people did a rain jacket and rain skirt. I wasn't, I didn't do the rain skirt at the time. So I discovered the cagoule was good. And I believe I actually was wearing shorts towards the end because I found that my legs could dry faster just this, my skin could dry faster than my pant legs could. So I started wearing shorts and they were covered up by my, uh, by my rain jacket. So that kept me, kept my body pretty dry. Obviously my feet and shoes and socks were soaked all the time, but I think I had like three pairs that I would just keep constantly rotating through. Right. And did you have a, a rain cover for your pack or did you, uh, did you do like an internal thing with maybe like a garbage bag and wrap everything up in a, a garbage bag to keep it dry? I I had no pack cover. I oh I uh so the Dyneema 
is supposed to be it has some water repellent that's right quality to it yeah. but i went and sprayed it with waterproofing spray before leaving to make sure actually i did that twice my parents came out to visit me in tahoe and i redid the spray on it um and that seemed to work pretty well other than that i i packed my sleeping bag at the very bottom then my tent and my food so if things got wet which they never did it would have it would have had to have soaked through my food bag my tent and then my sleeping bag but i i didn't do any special precautions with it i just kind of just kind of went with it <laughs> okay and then tell us about that uh, that last day and then slapping the northern monument how was that what, <laughs> what uh take us through the emotions i i have to imagine that's a pretty emotional moment it was uh it w- it was very surreal um it, luckily it had been raining all through washington the one and then like yeah, that last day the the clouds parted the sun came out it was a bright warm sunny day hiked i think we had maybe maybe like 10 miles maybe a little less than that and we all just kind of woke up from camp kind of went at our own pace everybody you know was kind of processing it themselves and it, it definitely it didn't hit me yeah, being there, being done, seeing years of research, seeing people's photos, but to finally walk up to it, all my friends standing there, all these, I don't want to say random people, but, you know, over, over five months you of the same pace, you, you meet people along the way. So I've known a lot of these people. And as you walk up, everybody's celebrating, clapping, tunnels with their trekking poles. It was just a... a, a one of the greatest experiences ever, but uh, it definitely didn't sink in. It felt, <laughs> sorry. It was a, a very surreal experience. I was like, am I done? Like now, now what? I, I got on the monument. It was my turn. I, I slapped the monument, took my photos and my, my little orange short shorts. And, uh, and I was done. That was, that's, like five years of, of planning yeah, done just like that. <laughs> Nothing left to do. I touched both flags, walked to Canada. And I was done. <laughs> walked to Canada. Walked from Mexico to Canada. <laughs> just like that. And then, uh, and it's like, wait a minute, I just walked 2,650 miles. What do you mean? I have to walk nine more miles <laughs> to get to the nearest road. No one ever talks about that either. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a letdown huh nine more miles after you you think you're done yeah you still have still have a ways to go <laughs> did mom and dad meet you at the monument no no they did not um no i i didn't see them again until until i flew home Got yeah, i ended up i stick me and my friends the, the trail family we went to to vancouver and that's where most people were flying out from so I was with a lot of um, foreigners. It was just me and one other American, mm-hmm. um, a couple of guys from Australia, one girl from Canada, one girl from the UK. So they all had to fly out of uh, Vancouver. So we went to Vancouver and said our goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one by one people left. Uh, we, the plan was to go to a bar because we were in Canada. The drinking age is, is a lot lower, but... Apparently, in British Columbia, the drinking age is 19. 
not 18. So I had to sit outside the bar while my friends were inside celebrating. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we hear, we hear from a lot of long distance hikers that once the trail is done, it, there's a period of time where they have difficulty readjusting to normal life in society. Did you have some of that post hike depression? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely some post-trail depression for sure. Um, it was kind of like, well, cause I didn't plan on doing the CDT or the AT. I was doing the PCT, mm-hmm. like the AT. That's a lot of rain. The CDT, that sounds scary. I'm not doing those. I'm doing the PCT and I'm done. Um, I just, I remember like getting home and I remember like, I didn't like to watch TV anymore. That was, it was weird. Like just, I just wanted to be, just sit there in silence like I'd been for so long. Um, at night, I'd have all the lights off and I'm like, it's still so bright in here. They're just, just the ambient light pollution from street lights coming into my, my bedroom was weird. My, my bed was too comfortable. I was like, this isn't, this isn't a Z light foam mattress. What is this? <laughs> It definitely took some adjusting to get used to it. And um, uh, I, I couldn't get enough of telling people like, oh, yeah, I, I just finished walk, walking from Mexico to Canada. They're like, we get it. We know. <laughs> yeah, this one time I was out there. <laughs> but it, it was fun. <laughs> and did they just roll their eyes when you when you started talking and say, oh, here comes Scrapbook again with another one of the stories? That, uh, yep. Yeah, basically. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah my- I, I became shunned at my, you know, I didn't do any long distance trails like that, but you know, I, I would tell my trail stories. I, and I, soon I was, I was shunned at my family gatherings. They, they said, I gotta stay away from that guy. Yeah. Like, oh, he's going to talk hiking again. Hey, I'm right there with you. <laughs> nice. So you said you, you found it uncomfortable uh, or, or it was too comfortable on your bed. Just yeah, it was, it was weird. You know, blankets, a pillow. Yeah. I think for a pillow, I was using, um, my sleeping or, uh, my tent bag with like an extra, uh, what did I, I put like, I put my, my pants in there and my smelly socks. That was my pillow. <laughs> it, uh, it was a sill nylon so it didn't breathe my face would get sweaty and stuck to it i would drool and i would wake up covered in drool and then i have this these nice soft cotton sheets where it's warm and i was like that i can't do this <laughs> you ever go sleep in the front yard definitely the backyard a lot okay. <laughs> lots of gear testing was done in the backyard <laughs> So very good. You, you said that at that point you did not have any desire or inkling to hike the CDT or the AT, but lo and behold, you hiked the CDT in 2017 and the AT the next year, 2018. So you were a triple crowner <laughs> in three years. What, yep. what was it that uh, clicked in your brain that said, you know what? I've got to go do the next long trail next summer. So, yeah. So the CDT, sounded like a terrible nightmare like what 10 people do it every year like well why do i i don't want to do that so this is a fun fact about scrapbook the triple crowner at the age of 20 i've never camped alone (laughs) 
I have always camped with somebody, either with my group or I just happened to be walking alone and there was somebody already there where I was going to camp. So I've, I've made it three long distance trails without ever camping alone. I'm pretty that, proud of that, actually. That's got to be a record. I think so. <laughs> so I was like, the CDT, like, there's like going to be 10 other people out there. I'm, I'm not camping alone. I'll, I'll get eaten or I'm in New Mexico. I'll get abducted by aliens or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> These are obviously rational fears one mm-hmm. has. Hey, it's a thing. Um, or grizzly bears, you know, that's not a factor on, on the PCT. But, um, yeah, I, I had no plans on doing it. The Appalachian Trail raining all the time? No, thank you. That sounds mm-hmm. miserable. <laughs> then I went and did them. But uh, the CDT... After the trail, we had this big um, group text, and people said, okay, next year, we're going to do it. We're doing it, 2017 CDT. So I'm like, I, I don't know if I really want to do it. it. It sounds a little scary, a little, a little wild. That's like the Wild West. That trail's not even complete. 3,100 miles through the Rockies? That's insane. That's, that's, the PCT was fun. The CDT sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> The, the motto, embrace the brutality, or no, no, now, now it's brave the CDT, because I think that one was a little too extreme. <laughs> that was brave the CDT. Um, but we had this group text, and everyone, CDT 2017. And so I was talking to my dad, like, like Dad, I, I, I want to hike again, but I don't want to do the Appalachian Trail. And the Continental Divide Trail sounds like a nightmare. It, it sounds scary. And he's like, well, like all your friends are going to be doing it next year. So you might as well do it next year with the group you already know. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And as the months went on <laughs> in the group, check, oh, I can't make it this year. Oh, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. And I'm like, I already have my, 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 had it planned out. My dad was going to drive me out there to New, Lordsburg, New Mexico, I'm going to stay at the hotel. Uh, I had my shuttle fees paid for already. So it goes from this gr- list of like 11 people to me and one other guy. <laughs> and he was starting a week, uh, 10 days before me. <laughs> so that's how, how that came to be. I didn't even want to do this CDT through no fault of my own. I ended up out there in the desert of New Mexico thinking I was going to be out there with 11 of my now closest friends. And I'm on a group. I'm on some bus with a group of weirdos who I had never met before. (laughs) Stuck with them for the next however many miles. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So they bailed out. You're on your own down there. Did 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 you end up catching the guy that was 10 days ahead of you? Yes. Yeah, we he stayed ahead of me for, for quite a while. I think he mean, I think he, then he took some time off, then came back, but I didn't end up running into him until Montana. <laughs> so quite a ways in. Wow. <laughs> Luckily I had another friend who was out there. Um, but I, and I was able to catch up with him. So we, we did most of the trail together, but the trail claimed him and he had to, he had to bounce. <laughs> Now, Ginger Balls had some very choice words to say about the CDT and especially the beginning of the CDT in, uh, in New Mexico, right? He, oh. he talked about the, the water sources and the, the low, low quality of the water sources available 
at the start of the CDT. Was that, was that your experience as well? Yeah, they were, um, they were pretty good. <laughs> and by pretty good, I mean, not that good. Oh. Um, lots of, of cow troughs for sure. Um, but lots of things growing in there and bugs floating around. But uh, this hiker told me, his name's Cruise Control. He told me that if the water is good enough to support algae and bugs, it's obviously potable, potable to an extent. If it can support life, you can probably drink it. So I'm like, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> so there's that, definitely a few sparse sources. <laughs> that's a glass half full attitude yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. So I picked that up on, on the PCT because it was this creepy looking bug in the water. I'm like, I really don't want to drink that. I, I can see the eggs on its back. And he's like, well, if, if that water can support life like that in a whole new generation, you got to be able to drink it. I'm like, all right. Uh, yeah, lots, lots of cow troughs. That was an interesting experience. Through hikers, through hikers are different dudes, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a trip. <laughs> and uh, one of the cow troughs in New Mexico has fish in it, which is really cool. It's this big old, it must be like a, a fire tank or something. Cause it's probably like 10 feet across, six feet deep. And it has a bunch of little minnows in it, a little mosquito fish, goldfish. And the rumor is that there's a koi fish in there that lives in the bottom. <laughs> so if you're scooping up your water, you might see him come to the surface and go back down. That was the rumor in 2017, but I didn't see a koi fish in there. <laughs> Legends of the trail. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So what was the big difference between the PCT and the CDT? Was the CDT as awful as you made it sound? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah um the, the cdt is the, the first thing that's different is the amount of people that are on there like the pct i met hundreds of people i couldn't even count them all the cdt i believe i encountered a total of like 20 hikers that was northbounders southbounders not a whole lot of people out there. <laughs> so just the big difference is the amount of fewer amount of people that do it. And 2017 was a high snow year for Colorado for the San Juan. So that definitely scared a lot of people away. Mm -hmm. 2017 was a sparse year for it. Um, and just the terrain is also pretty different going through the San Juans is like the Sierra on steroids. It was steep, much steeper cliffs and terrain, avalanches you have to worry about, snowshoes. It's, it was a, a different ball game through there. <laughs> and with, it, it also differs in that the PCT, there's an established trail the whole way from yeah. Mexico to Canada. CDT, right. <laughs> there's all kinds of alternative routes. I mean, there's not, yeah. is there really, is there one agreed upon CDT? Um, I know they're working on it. Um, okay. Oh, when I was on the AT, I saw this girl with a, a, a sticker. She had a CDT sticker on, on her water bottle. So I went up to her and I'm like, like, oh, you did the CDT like I did last year at school. She's like, oh, no, these are CDT stickers. We were part of a trail crew. We were supposed to go work on the CDT, but we couldn't find the CDT. So we all have the blazes in our cars. 
I'm like, wait, so you, you couldn't even find the CDT to make the CDT. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, the CDT. <laughs> um, so this trail there, that's the that's first it. 20 That's feet. it in a nutshell, right? Yeah. yeah. The people who are trying to make the trail can't find it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's trail for like the first 20 feet at, uh, at uh, Crazy Cook Monument at the border of Mexico and New Mexico. And then it just sprawls out into the, into the desert and it's kind of choose your own adventure from there. And like randomly the trail picks up, then it disappears again. It's lots of dirt roads, lots of dirt roads and forest service roads. It's the CDT and piggybacking off of other trails. So there's not a whole lot of actual CDT markers. Luckily gut hook is a thing. And for the most part is pretty accurate, I had gut hook and lay maps. I had the paper maps and gut hook and, and it all worked pretty well. Only a few times kind of got turned around and needed to stop reassess where we were, but it wasn't too bad with gut hook. Any trail is possible. <laughs> nice. And, to, and take us through what is gut hook. I know it's an app and it will, it will tell you where you are on the trail or how far off the trail you are. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. um it uses the emergency is what I've heard. I don't know the full legality or logistics of it, but it uses the emergency signal from your phone. So even when you're don't have signal and you're on airplane mode, it can still find you. And it has a little arrow where you're at on trail and it'll say how far to the next kind of big waypoint milestone water source. It doesn't have campsites. Like the PCT version has campsites. The CDT doesn't have, have campsites. You just kind of choose wherever you want. <laughs> but I had like the water sources and the towns. Actually, I don't even think it had all the towns yet. <laughs> that was an update like mid-trail <laughs> that, that we got the update of the towns. <laughs> and so I know you were worried about the big animals in Montana. When you got to Montana, did you encounter any of the, uh, the big ones there? Moose, grizzly? Anything like that? Uh, saw moose in Colorado. That was exciting. I had never seen seen a moose before, so that was pretty cool. They're big animals. Like I've seen like a moose head before. You know, like a like a restaurant or like at a store. Sometimes they got the moose and the antlers hanging off the wall. There's a whole other animal attached to that thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, bigger than horses. <laughs> they're a, they're a gnarly beast. Um, so saw a few moose in Colorado. But I don't think we saw any in Montana. Definitely saw we saw a grizzly bear in in Wyoming, in Yellowstone National Park, and a grizzly in Glacier National Park in Montana. I only saw two grizzlies on that trip, which was, which was plenty. You know, some <laughs> yeah. the, the, again the, the trail rumor. I have no idea if this is true or not. But a hiker of the previous year in 2016 he got in between a, a grizzly bear cub and mom and the grizzly bear charged him and, and bit him in the butt. <laughs> so the rumor goes, I have no idea if that's true or not. Luckily no bears got me. Um, I was hiking with two other guys. We all had our bear spray. Me and one guy, we religiously believed in our bear spray, no food in camp. We, we would, we would eat on trail, then hike another couple miles, make camp. And then, of course, our other friend, he couldn't care less about it. (laughs) 
so we would there were three of us so we would sleep in a triangle formation with our tents at the points so that way if one person was getting mauled to death by a bear in the night two of us could get out with, with our bear spray <laughs> and spray it down and uh, me and my one friend drive by. We're like, yes, if we're being mauled by a bear, spray me down in bear spray. I give you permission. And the third friend, Thor, he's like, no, do not spray me. Just let it kill me. <laughs> Wait, the scrapbook, drive by, and Thor, that was your trio? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was us on the CDT. <laughs> nice. And it sounds like you guys had things planned out, organized. Yeah, we we were pretty good. Yeah, I was... Uh, my friend drive-by, he, he had lists, spreadsheets, little anal retentive. Everything had to be a certain way. Uh, I'm kind of a good mix of in the middle. I can go with the flow. Like, let's plan, but I can go with the flow. If plans change, no worries. And then the third friend, Thor, he didn't care about a plan. So we had a good mix of of everybody. <laughs> That's the full range right there. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. Hey, before we go to our, our second break, can you give me the top three moments on the CDT? Uh, yes. Uh, let's see. The top three. Okay. Uh, top three. Um, probably the number three would be the sunrises and sunsets in the Great Divide Basin of Wyoming are the most beautiful I've ever seen. That is the heart of cowboy country reds, oranges, purples, yellows, colors you've never seen before, light up the sky. It's beautiful. I would totally redo the Great Divide Basin of Wyoming. Um, the second highlight would be watching my friend Thor miss a step on a, uh, a gnarly icy traverse and fall down off the side of a mountain a few hundred feet just watch him slide down he didn't have his ice axe out because he didn't believe in the rest of us saying get your ice axe he's like i'll be fine but uh he slipped and he slid down a mountain (laughs) is he still with us he's still with us um half of his half the skin on the side of his body is still out there on the cdt but uh but he's still there he's still kicking He, he finished the cdt me and him took some time off for him to recover in Colorado, he's got a gnarly rash on or a, a scar on his thigh. Just it's just uh, like road rash. The snow just scraped the skin off the side of his body. <laughs> it was it was pretty wild. Ouch. The uh, we went to this little town, this little town to to get to get out. And these hunters were there, like, here, take this medicine and put it on it. But here, first take this swig of moonshine because it's going to hurt. And we're like, uh, okay. So he's like, what's the medicine? He's like, well, I can't really pronounce it. It's technically not legal here in the U.S. I get it in Africa when I go big game hunting. <laughs> so he's like, it's, if it can kill anything in Africa, it'll, it'll cure whatever you got there in Colorado. <laughs> so we lathered him up. and I'm assuming something like iodine. But uh, he bit down on a paper on a on a, a towel, and we lathered the side of his his flesh up <laughs> with this random chemical. Uh, that was quite the experience. <laughs> and uh, probably the the number one would be on a mountain pass in Colorado. A seven a.m. lightning storm came through. As we're trying to get over this cornice and kind of cut our cut steps in to cut our cut down this mountain pass uh 
I could hear the air crackling and buzzing and humming. There was a flash. The metal pins on my hat uh, vibrated and shocked my head. They they shocked. They sparked. And then there was the clap of thunder. I looked back at Thor and I was like, Thor, I think I was just hit by lightning. I got to go. I'll see you at the bottom. And I just ran. I was like, I don't care about if I fall off this mountain. I'm getting to the bottom. So I, I kind of sort of got hit by lightning on the CDT. <laughs> wow. It's a trip. The CDT, what, man. <laughs> what, a, what a trip, as you say. What a moment. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's the wild west out there. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning that uh, our listeners are, are tuning in and listening to this account of the CDT and they're just putting it on their bucket list. They, they've got it. Oh, do. yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, when it's easy, it's easy. But when it's hard, it's hard. <laughs> that's, that's what I say about the CDT. <laughs> well said. Well said. All right, Scrapbook, we're going to hit a, another quick break here. We come back. I want to hear about the AT and uh, I got some other surprises in store. So stay tuned for All that. Right. We'll be right back. Hey, Hiker Trash, this is Ginger Balls. You're listening to the John Frickin' Mirror Podcast. All right, welcome back. We're talking to Scrapbook. We've just covered the PCT and the CDT. Let's talk about the AT. And it's the, the last Boy. one for the Triple Crown. You've done two. Obviously, You've got it in your head now. You've got to do three. There was never any doubt once you did the CT, CDT that you're going to do the AT. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's one and done or all three. You, you can't do just two. That's a crime against nature. So even though I did not want to go to the East Coast, deal with the rain, the ups, the downs, the green tunnel, I had to do it. I had to force myself to get out there. <laughs> okay, and I, you know, I... We talked about your pack weight and how you were embarrassed about 13 pounds oh, right, right. <laughs> on, the, on the PCT. So now I'm really interested to hear what, what was your pack weight at the, uh, the start of the AT and you know, how, did, how did your gear change over those two years? Uh, let's see. Yeah, it definitely changed a lot. On my, my, according to my lighter pack, right before leaving for the AT, my base weight was seven pounds. <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> so there was definitely a change um it when i officially started it was probably i'm gonna say nine pounds because i ended ended up adding a uh the, the neo air sleeping pad and my 10 degree z-pack sleeping bag whereas i would then get my gossamer gear eighth inch pad sent to me and my Enlightened equipment, 40 degree sleeping bag sent to me in, in, in the first couple of weeks, but it's the South. It's supposed to be hot. I thought, but it was cold and rainy <laughs> the first couple of weeks down there. So I, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll bring the warmer weather gear. And I think that was a smart choice, but uh, yeah, officially it was like seven or eight pounds. So I, I cut it in half. I went from a Z packs, arc hall, 60 liter backpack to a cruise pack, which is, with permission, may, uh, custom made based off of uh, the Palante backpack. And I got it in 
my, my trail color, which I kind of stole from my dad. Some would say, you know, he says, I don't know. Uh, I got it in orange and multicam camouflage. So kind of camouflage and orange, two things you don't see together. Not usually <laughs> but I wanted a, it. Not usually a traditional combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, am I trying to blend in or stand out? A little bit of both. I don't know. <laughs> um, Z-Pack's uh, tent for that one. I think it was the Solplex, I think is what I had. And yeah, the aligned equipment, 40 degrees sleeping bag, rain, uh, rain skirt that time and a, uh, and rain, rain socks, waterproof socks. Those were some additive pieces of gear to my kit. I ditched the sun gloves on the Appalachian trials. Like, I don't think I'm going to need them out there. I, I kind of wish I I took them, but they just, they didn't do it for me out there. Didn't, didn't need them as much. (laughs) So as you are investing in this lighter weight gear, this is truly ultralight. Now we're talking about seven to nine pounds. That's, that's ultralight for a, a yeah, that's, mile trip. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's expensive stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, people, especially on the, on the AT, um, like I, I have the, uh, the Gossamer gear, carbon fiber trekking poles. They weigh like they weigh ounces compared to like, every other company weighs a couple pounds each. So I, I would, this is my third trial. I know what I'm doing. I know what to expect. I know what gear is going to work and what's not going to work. Um, so my backpack is just like a little, the size of like a little Jansport backpack. It's pretty small. So people would think I was a day hiker or they'd be like, like, man, your, your pack is so small. Like, how are you so, like, how do you get so lightweight? And I'm like, honestly, I spent a lot of money and they're like, no, no, like I spent a lot of money too. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I spent a lot of money. <laughs> like my trucking poles alone are for each one to buy one. I got it on sale for like a hundred something dollars <laughs> just for one. So I spent like $400 on like two trucking poles. Um, my tent and sleeping bag, 500 something dollars each. My, uh, my plasma 1000 fill mont bell jacket that thing's like i want to say it was like six or seven hundred dollars it's it's expensive <laughs> so that's all it is you just have to be able to have disposable income to throw into cottage gear lightweight lightweight stuff <laughs> so so ginger balls sees you there at the start of the trail in your little uh jan sport size backpack <laughs> and he's thinking oh my gosh this kid's never gonna make it how, how much money? How much money would you say was sitting inside that seven to nine pound backpack on your back? Oh, let's see. Easily over a thousand dollars, probably close to. Yeah, definitely over a thousand. I mean, tent and sleeping bag, both five hundred something dollars each. I think both were like five fifty. Um sleeping pad that was a pretty cheap one it was like forty dollars oh cheap for an eighth of an inch thick it was probably so expensive but uh yeah and and then i had a a big old camera which is i had a nikon dslr the nikon d7000 so that thing alone weighs a couple pounds right there hanging off (laughs) hanging off my pack had you Um, brought that camera on your previous two trips no i had a a a new edition camera yeah 
Yeah, okay. I was like, I'm finally ready to go for a, a big camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas the other ones, I had a little Nikon AW130 little trail camera. It's like waterproof, dustproof, shockproof. Uh-huh. Listen, I was ready for a full, full-size camera. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I definitely probably a couple thousand dollars for sure wow. <laughs> in in UL gear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how how does the AT differ from the other two? It is uh, vastly different. In principle, it's the same thing. You know, you're trying to get from one monument to the other. That's that's the the beauty of it. The after that, it's not very similar. Um, the the terrain is different. The climate's different. The the hikers out there are different, um, and the overall the vibe of hikers is different. It's kind of its own thing out mm-hmm. there on the east coast because um, the trail was designed in i think the 40s somebody the guy came up with the idea and i guess in the 1940s switchbacks did not exist so you just go straight up a mountain and then straight down the mountain and you just do this all day every day so like on the other trails doing 25, 30 miles a day is, is pretty normal. Whereas on the AT doing like a 20 mile day is a good day. That's a solid day's worth of hiking just cause mm-hmm. you're going up down and there's these mountains you come across and in, you go straight up it. you just spend all day chugging straight up the mountain. And then you don't even go to the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain is a side trail. It's another hundred feet that way. So it's like, I'm already up here. Why did you not even take me to the summit? So it's like, okay, I'll walk over there. You walk over there. And because of trail conservation, they don't trim the trees or anything. So you get there and you can't even see anything. It just trees. (laughs) So you just do that all day, up, down, up, down, up, down, all day long. And then it starts raining and it rains for weeks at a time. I didn't like the rain. That uh, that got me. Mm-hmm. That got me. <laughs> it's like you're back in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Only I would say worse. <laughs> worse. Okay. Yeah, it rains a lot more. I probably rained every day. I had some serious low moments. I think had I started on the Appalachian Trail, I think I would have quit. It just the rain got me. <laughs> like I changed into a fresh pair of socks. I'm like, it's not going to rain today. It's not going to rain. It started raining, but I was like, okay, I can make it to the shelter in like half a mile. I can change, change into my rain gear real fast. I got my fresh new socks on crossing a Creek. My foot slipped straight into the stream. Now I've got wet socks and it's about to rain the rest of the day. Just constantly wet. Your stuff never dries. You take your shirt off from, being sweaty all day you hang it up you let it sit all night long but it's so humid you put it on the next morning and it's still sweaty from the previous day (laughs) yeah we've we've heard this kind of description of the at before (laughs) from previous guests have you heard of have you heard of halfway anywhere uh yeah 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 so we had mac on from halfway anywhere (laughs) oh that's awesome creator of the website (laughs) and he's done the pct and the cdt and he refuses to do the at yeah, he's a, a sensible bloke. <laughs> <laughs> For a lot of the reasons you've just described, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, and 
And we're probably going to get some hate mail from the, the people who love the Appalachian Trail. Oh, yeah. Those, and, those and that's freaks. Great. Let, let, us, let us have it. You know, send in your comments. We'll share them with our, with our listeners. But, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of similar stories about the AT. Yeah, it's its, its own thing. It's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe it's just not for me. <laughs> but I did it. I conquered it. <laughs> nice. Now, the... I don't think we got oh yeah, I think we did. We did talk about the PCT you started April first and you finished on uh September fourteenth. September fourteenth. Uh, how long did it take you to do the CDT? The CDT was one hundred forty two days. So the PCT was one hundred sixty seven days. Okay. April first to September fourteenth. The CDT was one hundred forty two days, April twentieth to September 9th. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the AT, I started April 20th as well. So I could have two start dates being April 20th. So I wouldn't have to remember (laughs) separate start dates. (laughs) Uh, I can't remember. Give me one sec to find when I finished the AT took me 126 days to do the AT, okay. uh, April 20th to August 24th. Okay. And that one I actually recorded the times on. I guess I started at 9.30 a.m. April 20th wow. and finished on August 24th at 11.15 a.m. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> yeah. Very good. So if you had to rank the three trails, what was your favorite? Uh, definitely the PCT. That's, that's number one. It's... Mm-hmm. It's the best. <laughs> it has kind of, a, go ahead. It has a, a good mix of what the AT and the CDT also offer. Um, the PCT has the. Um, it's not. It's not the party trail. I'm sure. Or maybe now it is. You know, it's been five years since I've done it. So who knows what's different now. <laughs> Back in my day, it wasn't the party trail. But when you got to town, there were other hikers. You could go out, have a good time. But when you went back to trail, you were out on trail. You No cell service, long food carries. You were out there rugged again until you could get to the next town and have fun with, with other people again. Mm-hmm. Whereas the CDT is just all a nightmare all the time. You're just alone. There's no one else. <laughs> there is no no trail parties to be had. <laughs> And the AT is just kind of like a big party the whole way. <laughs> so I would definitely rank it PCT, CDT, and AT. Okay. I was going to say, I was, gonna, yeah. I, was on, I was on the edge of my seat waiting to see <laughs> how the final two sh- shook out in terms of uh, your ranking. So CDT, you prefer the CDT over the AT. Oh, yeah. 100%. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, the PCT, it's, I'm sure everybody who – I'm sure everybody has a fondness for their first trail. So I, people who did the AT first, I, I think they love the AT. I don't know why, but hey, to each their own, I guess. Um, and the, the, so yeah, PCT has got a good mix of both. The CDT is a beautiful trail. You are out there rugged. Um, the few people I did meet along the way, close bonds with them. The AT has its moments. It's fun to be hiking again. There's lots of people. So it's a fun experience with, with, with lots of people. It's definitely not a solitary experience. It's just if you're into that or not is another factor. As other people don't really bother me, but because the AT is more of the, uh, the party trail, um, 
there were some some weirdo characters out there. They just want to to party and say they did the AT and just yellow blaze skip ahead and just it's like wait a minute, I just saw you in the last town days ago. You didn't pass me. I know this for a fact. Your backpack is huge. You could not have gotten past me. And there they are in the town and the next town after that just going town to town with the hikers partying. It's it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Now I don't I don't think I heard from you any any kind of uh obstacle where you had to leave the trail and jump ahead. Were you able to put foot on each mile of all three trails? Uh no, I was not. The PCT there were there were two fire two big fire closures. Uh, one in Southern California and one in at, at Crater Lake. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to walk around Crater Lake. We had to we had to skip that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm by no means a, a purist. I've not touched every blaze, walked every step. Um, the CDT, I skipped the San Juans. Too much snow. I watched a friend <laughs> slide off the side of a mountain. I was like, I I don't want to do that. So we skipped the San Juans. Um, I think the, the rest of it we did. I think that was the only big trails because in the San Juans, it's kind of funny. It's 200 miles of trail through the, it's a big U. So to do wow. the San Juans is 200 miles to do the cutoff. The Creed cutoff is like 20 miles. <laughs> so you, by doing 20 miles, you skip 200 miles of trail. It's kind uh-huh. of weird. <laughs> yeah. um, the AT I did, um, Whatever, I, don't, I didn't skip any big chunks, but I didn't touch every blaze like through, I think it's not Shannon. Is it Shannon? The Blue Ridge Parkway. There's a road that cuts through it. Mm-hmm. I walked on the road because you could actually see views. It was the trail like dips below the road. So then you're under the tree line. Whereas if you walk on the road, you can see the valleys below you. Shenandoah Valley. You can actually look at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I'm definitely not a, a purist by any means. I think the concept of a through hike is more of an idea rather than a physical experience. You can do every step. Like some people say, if you have to skip because of a fire closure, don't even apply for your your your, your end uh, credentials. Like, no, I did it. There was a fire closure. What did you want me to do? Wait three years for them to open it up? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being a purist unless you look down your nose at, at other people who skipped 20 miles of trail or had to had to go around because of a fire closure. In my yeah. book, here on the J on the on the, the J, John Frickin' Your Pod, if you have gone from Canada to Mexico or or vice Mexico to Canada, you you've missed out on 50 miles somewhere. You're still you've completed it. It's a it's a done deal. That's what I would say. Yeah, it's like you were still there. You were slogging through the trenches for mm-hmm. some reason, one or another. You had to skip around. It happens. Such mm-hmm. is life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the cliche question that through hikers get all the time. <laughs> why? 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 Why did you do this? Why would you do this? How is this? Uh, you don't make it sound fun. I mean, there are fun moments, <laughs> sure, but there's a lot of torture out there. Oh yeah. So why put yourself through this? Um, I loved the, the, the camaraderie of it. It's just, you're hiking along, you meet somebody, and bam, you're best friends by the end of the day. Like me and Ginger Balls. <laughs> Met him at, at the beginning, camped together the first night, 
and we basically finished together. We did like the majority of the trail together. I, a, a couple hours is all it takes to make a lifelong friend. I, I think that's the, the beauty of it. everybody kind of looks out for each other. Um, sure, they'll heckle you if you run out of food or something <laughs> halfway through the carry, but they'll, they're there to help you if you are. It's the camaraderie, the experience of shared trauma is what I love. <laughs> nice. And so you've made lifelong friends. You still keep in touch with them to this day? Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I talk to many of them, a couple of them daily, most of them weekly. So it's, yeah, some lifelong friends that I hope I, I, I get to hike with again. I know Gingerballs is, is planning some hikes, and I, I just don't think I can get out there with him this year. I'm not sure yet, but he's invited me to do like the Hey Duke or maybe the PNT with him. But I don't know if I can get out there this year. We'll see what happens. <laughs> which, which brings us to what, what's next for Scrapbook? What's the next big adventure? I really want to do the Arizona Trail and the Oregon Desert Trail. Those two are very high on the list. Um, I like the desert. <laughs> um, so I think those would be some fun challenges. Um, hey, hey, Duke. There's, there's, a, there's an Oregon Desert Trail? There's a desert in Oregon? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Oregon uh, east of the Cascades Oregon and Washington are deserts. It is a really? high desert. It, it looks just like go. out here. Yeah, it's chaparral. Okay. People, people don't know this. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> totally, that's surprising. Totally different biome uh, east of the Cascades. <laughs> so yeah, the, the ODT, the Oregon Desert Trail. I want to say it's like, oh gosh, I, I could, it's less than 1,000 miles. Somewhere, I want to say like 500. I could be totally off. But um, it's definitely a, a good through hike. It's not a lot of people have done it. It's still pretty new on, on the radar of the hiking scene. Uh, so that's why it sounds like a, like a fun trip, kind of be a pioneer out there on it. <laughs> uh, the Arizona Trail, that, one is, that one's been popular for a while. It grows in popularity every year. That one sounds like a fun one because you get to through hike again. It's like 800 miles long. You get to go play through hiker for a couple months. Sounds like a fun experience and then the hey duke that that's also high on the list the route finding the going through canyons that all sounds like a blast <laughs> sounds like the colorado or the the cdt yeah yeah it's With the a route lot of route, yeah route finding choose your own adventure like we could go that way or this way and that way or that way <laughs> and did you see the documentary figuring it out on the hey duke trail no, I have not seen that. Oh, I've, you got to see man, that. Man, I'm missing out on these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so but I think another big adventure would be I want to bike across the U.S. I, I've walked south to north. I want to try biking east to west now. I think that sounds like a fun, whole new experience. <laughs> okay, so I've got, I've got another recommendation for you. So uh, to measure a mile, that's the PCT documentary we talked about at the beginning. Right. Figuring it out on the Hey Duke Trail, that's another, another good one. And because of your last comment, I'm going to recommend that you listen to a previous episode on the John Freaking Muir Pod where I talked to Lael Wilcox, who is a female uh, uh, bike packer, long-distance uh, bike racer. Um, she did a lot of bike touring, not competitively, okay. just bike touring all over yeah. the place. And then she was over in, in Europe. She was in, uh, actually in the Middle East. She was in Israel. Oh, and wow. <laughs> she was doing a tour there and she saw that there was a race. And so she decided to enter the race. Oh, man. The only woman in the race. <laughs> and uh, after the first couple of days, I think she was in second place. And they had to restart <laughs> the race because of uh, 
of uh, rain and mud and everything else. But anyway, she, she, she <laughs> that's wild. Okay, it. yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. <laughs> but then here, here gets, where it gets good is where she, oh, she decides to enter the Trans Am race where it leaves from Oregon and ends up in Virginia. So 4,200 miles is the total <laughs> distance. And she wins the thing outright. Male, female, Jeez. she won the thing. And if you can imagine a 4,200-mile race, she caught the leader 100 miles from the finish line. Oh no! Cracked him down and <laughs> That's left him. Awesome. Left him in the dust. And I told her, I said, I'm waiting for the movie on this because the way she describes it yeah. is incredible. You've got to, you've got to listen. She, All right, I'm definitely checking that out. Yeah, really, really fun. <laughs> All right, That's hey, scrap, awesome. scrapbook. You know where we are? Uh, where are we at? We are at that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. What uh, right. little tip, trick, insight? Can you share with our listeners to make their next adventure that much better? Okay. I think I've got two. Can I, am I allowed to give two? Absolutely. You're a triple crowner. All right. All right. I I like the sound of that. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Uh, In no specific order. uh, I would say the first one, um, you know, some days just suck. Sometimes you're just having a bad day and you don't want to be out there on trail. Um, sometimes maybe you think about quitting but all you have to do is just get to camp finish that day go to bed and reset and you tomorrow is a whole new day so i would just take my hikes one day at a time i just had to get through today today sucked almost got hit by lightning just have to get to camp and tomorrow's a new day (laughs) so that'd be one of my my tips just take it slow you know don't think about the big picture of walking from mexico to canada because that's a daunting thing to think about walking two, 3,000 miles. But if you just take it, I just have to get to this creek, camp there, and that's it. That's all you have to do, just one little chunk at a time. Um, Very manageable. The, Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The second is uh, chafe happens, <laughs> and my go-to cure is uh, – uh, this is, what's the rating on this show? I, I don't, I think this is, I think it's, it's medical, uh, is, is Vagisil. Wow. That's, that's, yeah. That, I have not heard that pro tip before. That's excellent. Nope. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vagisil. It's 20% benzocaine. It's got a, it's got a slight numbing factor in there. It, uh, it'll clear up chafe anywhere you got it. It's uh, you'll get some funny looks going into the store to buy it but um yeah i i've carried it with me on all three trails went through multiple tubes of it 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 works <laughs> i will carry vagisil on my hiking trips till the day i die <laughs> that right there folks that is a triple crowner pro tip very good sir oh Thank god you. that's how i'm gonna go down into history <laughs> <laughs> the promoter of vagisil <laughs> very good very good hey scrapbook what did you learn about yourself Um, on these thousands of miles out there in the middle of nowhere you had a time to reflect to think about the incremental progress you've made each day what what have you learned about scrapbook uh let's see i can sum it up in one sentence we're all a little messed up (laughs) It's a song That's, lyric, isn't it? Uh, that I don't know, actually. That I, 
met some random guy on the Appalachian Trail, had never met him before. I just started talking to him about just my, just my problems in life. And he's like, you know what, man, we're all a little messed up. And I was like, we are, aren't we? <laughs> and I don't know. I just feel like the older I get and the more I talk to people about our life experiences, we're just, we're all a little messed up and we're just doing the best we can to get through each day. <laughs> I think that's very accurate. A lot of people out on the trail are, are figuring stuff out. That's why they're on the trail. Do you think that you were out there figuring stuff out? I, I didn't get that sense that you were, you, you had some, some major life trauma that you had to sort out on the trail. You seem like you have it pretty well packaged together. Yeah, I, I was out there for the adventure of it. Um, I met a couple of people who, yeah, who were, you know, let go of a job or post breakup and want to sort themselves out. I just, I wanted just to hang out and be in the woods all, all day. Um, and then as, as time goes on, you know, I, I had a great time, but yeah, it's, we're all a little messed up just trying to figure it out. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I think I was squared away on, on those trips. <laughs> nice. So there you have it. That's it. Season two, episode nine is in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Scrapbook. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Scrapbook, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Um, I'm on Instagram as Hiking Guy Garrett. That's, that's me. That's the only one I'm, only one I'm on. <laughs> that's it, huh? Just one. Yeah, just Instagram. <laughs> And is that Technically, there's a YouTube, but I don't do anything. I, I couldn't get into the YouTube scene. So. Okay. And with the bigger <laughs> camera, are you, are you posting those pictures on Instagram? Uh, yeah. I, I don't post too much now that I'm not hiking. I kind of have a – with the name Hiking Guy Garrett, I kind of cornered myself into a, a niche market there. But uh, so I don't post all the time, but I definitely have all my photos, my, my highlight photos from, from the three trails and then other little adventures in between. <laughs> okay very good remember to check out the pod on social media as well we are on facebook youtube instagram and twitter and if you have comments or clips you want to share you can send it to me at john at gmail.com scrapbook i'm also looking to you to give our listeners your recommendation for a book a movie a documentary a website or a youtube channel that will keep them connected to outdoor adventures this is our adventure media recommendation interesting Oh, that's kind of tough. I wasn't prepared for that one. Um, Caught you by surprise. I would say, yeah, I would, what helped me, I I would go back to the, um, if if you're looking to do the PCT, is the PCT class videos. I'm assuming they're still up there. And if you can still find the PCT class videos, they're just kind of like long music videos of people just having a good time. There's good music and I find them super inspirational. So whenever I need some motivation, I'll go and watch those and, and relive vicariously through them. I never watched the PCT 2016 class video the year I did it. Cause I, I that's too weird to, to see myself in some of those pictures or the pictures I took and submitted for that video. But uh, definitely the PCT class videos are my, When I'm feeling down and need some inspiration for an adventure, I go and watch those. (laughs) Excellent recommendation. Thank you. That's a wrap from the John Frickamere studio. Any shout outs to any uh, friends or relatives who might be listening scrapbook? Um, Let's see. Definitely uh, my mom and dad. I I couldn't have done any of this without them. So thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. I really appreciate all your support. Uh, 
and to, <laughs> to our, our main pal, Ginger Balls, for turning me on to, to let me know, to helping us connect uh, and do this. Uh, I'm glad I ran into that guy with his massive backpack. Here we are now. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock.